0: Grab your Bibles, if you would, and let's go real quickly to Galatians chapter number six. And that's where we're going to take our text today. Um, Man, God's been good, isn't he? Sometimes I sing those songs and I realize how far God's brought me. Realize the miracles that we see every day in our autistic son, that sometimes you always want more. So you fail to see what's already happening, and God's been good, and we've seen him working in Lincoln's life, and we've seen him working around us, and in our church, we see this movement that's just really making us totally dependent on him. And so as we step into this today, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to really open your heart to a passage that is absent and needed in ministry. The reason it's absent is because I believe we are so busy or we are so distracted that we're failing to see what's going on around us. Last week, while we sat in service, a mom ran out of the balcony and left because she got a call right in the middle of the service that her son was found dead from an overdose. This week, someone who didn't die from the overdose, but maybe long-term effect of drug use, was found dead in one of our local recovery centers, and there's a heartbreak there. We have lost count this year of how many people have come through our doors that have died due to Overdose. Now the whole sermon's not going to be about drugs today. But the sermon's going to be about solution. And the solution, I believe, to the, the hurts in the world, and sometimes we can stand up here and we can say this person died because of overdose, but how many families are dying because of pornography? And how many, how many hopes and dreams of teenagers are dying because of sexual addiction or self-harm? How many things are, are just expanding around us that we don't know about and every person we look at in this room carries a sinful nature and by nature, no one's good, not one. God's good, right? And God's love invades who we are, and it changes who we are. It resurrects us from the brokenness and death that sin has created around us. It pulls us out of the devastation that we've created or that's been created as a result of the the domino effect that happens from bad decision. God has been good, and my life is a living testimony of that, and as I look around this room, I see so many faces that I know your life is that story too, and I know that right now some of you are in battles, and some of you are in struggles. Some of your marriages are targeted and your kids are being attacked. The things that you're going through are very difficult. We're living in an economic system where finances are tight for everyone and and, and and struggle is there and the enemy is running rampant and anytime struggle comes in, especially on the home front or in the finances, addiction is soon to follow if we're not careful. And, and I think what we're seeing is an epidemic. Let's use the word correctly. There's an epidemic going through our world right now of where people are lonely, abandoned, hurting, and, and they feel like there is no value to their life and I think it is in our our calling as a church I was, I was between two different scriptures. One of the pure and undefiled religion is, is, is taking care of orphans and widows and, and, and living the, the way that God's saying, not falling into the standard of the world, but before that it says, hey, we, we got to be doers of the word, right? James is telling us that like in order for us to make sure that we are doing the things that God says is religion, what should be happening, we got to be doers of the word, and it says three things in that passage, we got to look at it, we, we, we got to listen to it, and we got to do it we got to use it and 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 then the peace of god the blessings of god will fall and i think we're living in a generation where where god is becoming a convenience he's he's something on our shelf he's a let's put it this way he he's a bottle in the medicine cabinet that we pull out when we're hurting he's he's the ibuprofen or the tylenol but he's not the vitamin He's not the essential, the supplement that we need to continue to live. And and if we're not careful as a generation, and I'm talking about myself too, we will get so into God is there when we need him that we forget that God is always there. And truthfully, we always need him. And at any time, any person in this room is capable of doing a heinous act or something that you would look at yourself and say, why did I do that? Or where did that come from? And most of the time we're dealing in real time with behaviors that are actually the results of a pastime event. We're dealing with the, the symptoms of what's going on rather than what actually is going on. And, and, and we, it's like we tell people all the time, I don't want to treat your headache spiritually today. You're spiritually tired. I don't want to treat the tiredness and the exhaustion. You're, you're spiritually burnt out. I don't want to treat the burnout. We can preach on burnout and how not to burn out, but that's not the issue. Let's get to the tumor. Let's get to what's causing the spiritual headache. Let's get to what's causing the hurt. Where did you lose your faith? Where did you go through trauma? Where Did something happen in your life that set you back? Where did you stop developing? What happened at eight years old that's kept you trapped in this need of a dad or a mom to love and nurture you? How can we heal? It's not to go to the symptom. It's to go to the root of the issue. And I believe today, if we're not careful, we'll come and we'll preach sermons on symptoms and we won't deal with what's really the issue at the lives of most people. And I'm going to tell you this right now. The, the main issue we fight in society is most people do not have a trustworthy, meaningful relationship that exists in their life. They're walking around scared and doubting who loves them and who not. As a matter of fact, let's look at this. How many of you have trust issues? Slip your hand up in the air. Yeah, that's most. Yeah, and, and, and every on my Monday night class when we're talking and overcoming grief, we see that trend. It's probably about 100% of the people that come into our grief class have trust issues. You know, and, and where does that come from? Does that come? Were you born as a baby saying, I don't trust my mom? Or were you born as a baby in need of a mother? Were you born as a baby saying, I don't trust my dad? Or were you born as a baby? Is it not true? There's studies that are out there that there has to be physical contact and meaningful connection with the infant as soon as it comes out of the womb. And so they'll lay the baby weir in the mom's arms. They'll lay the baby weir on a dad's chest. And now they're saying, hey, that skin to skin contact is vital. How many of you still got the toddlers that want to cuddle? Anybody like that? Like, I love that stage, don't you? You know, it's a it's a very needed stage. It's a, very, it's a very developmental stage. But the truth is, is at some point in our lives, relationships get hurt. Many people, especially in our church, we have a high number of people that didn't get the nurture or the affection as a child that they needed. And you sit there and say, oh my gosh, I don't want to hear about daddy issues. We're not talking about daddy issues. We're not talking about what your worldly father or your worldly mother, earthly father, earthly mother should have gave you. We're saying this, God put them in your life and they were supposed to mimic and exemplify who your heavenly father was But unfortunately, in our society, there's an absence of dads and there's an absence of meaningful relationship. And therefore, there's an absence of an understanding that there's a God in heaven who is not just sitting there saying, I'm the almighty. He's sitting there saying, I'm daddy, I care and I love you. And we can't wrap our minds around it because we never had an example of it in our lives. And if you don't understand this or believe it, don't look at the world, look at the church. When somebody does something wrong in a church, the church is quick to say, see ya. When somebody hurts your feelings, we're quick to leave. Run. How many of you are a runner today? Not from your churches, but how many of you would rather go into your bedroom or your bathroom instead of have an argument? How many of you would rather avoid the conflict instead of deal with hard things? Let's go on. How how many of you got a ton of projects in your house that you have not finished? All right? Like, the thing is, it's like, how many of you, when it gets difficult, you're like, I'll get back to this. Anybody else like me do dishes by letting them soak? All right? Like, I'm not scrubbing the pot and pan. It's going to soak for 72 hours, right? Now, my wife does not allow that, but that's my theory. It's like, it's greasy. Let it soak. And the truth is, is does the soaking clean it? Now, you know what you get from soaking? Dirty water, flies. You get all the pestilence. Uh, what are you, pe- pestilence? I can't say the word. You get all the things that you'd swat at and went gone. And I think here's what's happening in our society is the church has been so perfect for so long that people are soaking in their sorrow and all those little annoyances of the enemy are, are, are swarming. And they come in and it can't be real and they can't be loved for who they are, where they are. And we don't have to love what they are or what they're in, but we do have to love whose they are and who they belong to. And God created every single person that you've ever met. God created every unborn baby. God is in their lives from before. They're in a womb. They are in his imaginations and in his plans. And these people that you see and I see every single day, they matter to God. And at some point, we have got to get to the place. We have got to create an atmosphere to where we are allowing people to come in real and to come in open and to come out of their hiding bushes and stand and say, I ate the fruit I shouldn't have eaten, and now I need a covering of God. Galatians 6 teaches us how to do that, and so let's hit it. In Galatians 6, it says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is, what's this word? overcome. You know what that overcome word means? And I need you to get this and I need you to write it down. I, 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 I hear people say all the time, that's just a bad person. God didn't create a bad person. God created a person that might be overcome by bad things. Overcome means it's not what you were, it's what you became. It's not where you started, but it consumed. I don't know about you, anybody in here ever been overcome by sorrow? heartbroken. Does that make you a negative person? The world will say, oh my gosh, they're just negative. But no, they're overcome. We've got to understand this and we've got to look at each other and we've got to realize that the person that you're having the biggest issue with today is not a bad person. It's not somebody that you should hate. It's not somebody that you should reject. But the truth is they could be overcome by something that they don't know how to get out of. Overcoming is a word that can mean two things. Number one, it can mean a total defeat where you've been overcome by the enemy or overcome by, by by a sickness or disease. You've been invaded. Or it could be a victory word where it says, hey, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. Hey, at some point of our life, we've got to look at the overcome of Satan and turn it into the overcome of God. To where we look at somebody and say, yes, those of you who were dead in your trespasses and sin, he has raised to a new life. He overcame it. And at some point in your life, you'll find this to be true. The people that'll be the most loyal to you, the people that'll be the most loyal to the Lord, the people that'll praise a little bit louder, share a testimony in the middle of a street, the people that will tell about the goodness of God are typically the ones who know what it's like to be overcome by the world, but to be delivered and resurrected by a loving father. And the Bible says, hey, look, if another believer is overcome by sin, what's it say? You who are what? You know, this defined in King James would be elder. Elder doesn't mean that like you are prestigious. Elder just simply means you're living a godly life, seeking godly principles and applying them to your life. You're you're constantly in a walk with God. And in that walk, you're walking with others in Jesus' name. And so he says, those of you who are seeking God, because some of you, I'll I'll be honest, I'll say this truthfully. I've seen people that have been saved six minutes, more in love with God than people that have been saved 60 years. You know, you say six minutes, it'll wear off. I've seen people young in faith, love God and be on fire for God. And you know what the church will say? Oh, well, somebody's going to throw water on that. What they're simply saying is we're going to try to cool you down because if you keep burning, you're going to have to make us either catch on fire or reveal that we have no fire at all. Like if you keep simmering, you keep smoking, I'm either going to have to get right or it's going to expose me. And the truth is this. We can't come up to a stage and pretend that we're perfect pastors and perfect preachers and perfect people. I've got issues. Anybody say that with me? I've got issues, right? Like i got problems. The thing is, but on my problems, I have a Holy Spirit. I have a Savior and a Lord who leads and directs. I have a Father who is Alpha and Omega over all Almighty with me, always seeing everything I do. And in that, I got to understand that in my walk with God, He is not going to lead me away from the world. He's going to lead me to the hurting, the lost, the broken in need. The ministry of God does not take us to nice buildings and comfortable settings. It takes us to the ugly, to the to the mundane, to the monotonous, to the difficult, to the hard, to the frustrating. And as Christians today, we we need a generation of believers that say we see those, we see a world overcome by sin. But today I'm choosing godliness. And godliness means this: I, I gotta walk gently and humbly. I got to be filled with the spirit. You know, those fruits of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace. What do we we, we got to be forgiving people. We got to be long suffering. I hate that word. Long suffering means there's not a timetable that I can put on what I believe and somebody's recovery should be. Well, I gave them chances. No, you know what? It's like this. It's like God doesn't believe in chances. God just can, is one continuous opportunity. And it's not like I'm going to give you chance, 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 chance. It's not, no, here's my will. You can have it. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. Here's my salvation, my grace. You can have it. It's yours. It's yours. It's yours. But the Bible says those who are godly should gently, what's gently mean? Can we talk about this? Gently doesn't mean, well, i just tell them like it is. is. What is telling somebody like it is all the time mean you are? A jerk. All right. Pastor DJ said that. I just echoed him. I'm pretty sure he's heard that from here. Well, this is just who I am. Good, die, not physically, spiritually die because we don't need you. We need the savior that lives in you. We need the Holy Spirit coming out of you. And Paul said, for me to live is who? Christ. To die is gain. Now that's physical death. But Paul also said, I have to die to myself daily so that I can, and I'm gonna paraphrase it, do the things that God has called me to do. Because if I live for myself, you are not in view, only me is. But if I'm living for the Lord and I'm dying to myself, then you matter. And we live in a generation that is so busy and distracted, we have forgot what it's like to be a society. We have forgotten even beyond that what it's like to be community. We have forgotten how to care about the person beside us. It's all about how high we can get, how many likes we can get, how famous we can be, and what stage we can stand on, what we can accomplish or put in the bank account, what we can drive or what we can live in, and we chase it, chase it, chase it. But I'm telling you this right now, without even being intentional about it, you are in pursuit of eternity and you cannot avoid it. You are going to eternity somewhere, heaven or hell, and it's unavoidable. And while we believe we're pursuing things, we are in pursuit of everlasting life, either with God or everlasting perishment, which is abandoned and away from God. It is where we will wind up whether we want to or not. And our pursuits should be, hey, it's not about where I live. It's about where I'm going and where my father is and where Jesus is. He's coming back for me. He's got a mansion there, not just for me, but for you too. Our pursuit should be flesh and blood, the souls of man, rescuing one after another, carrying the broken and the needy. It was said to me this morning to somebody who's not here, they said 90% of the people that go to our church would not be accepted at another church. And I'm okay with that. Anybody else say yes? I mean, it's like Um, I I don't know, a lot of people that are healthy don't want to hang out in the ER, I totally get that, but I'm saying when it comes to spirituality, God did not call us to churches as much as he called us to the hospital of where people can go to find the healer. We're not the doctor, we're just the usher, we're the receptionist, we're the person that's the nurse, we run the IV, We, we, we take the vitals, we do something. We're not the person that's going to bring the healing, but we know the one that can. And in this, there has to be a gentleness where we look at each other and we say gentle means... Okay, you frustrate me on the inside, but I'm going to keep that out. That's why I have my therapist. I will tell them. Are you with me? Yeah. And you say, well, I don't have that. You need that. Yeah. You need the person that you say, I got to get this off my chest or I'm going I'm I'm to fall apart here. The gentle means frustrated. I still care. I still love. We still make it right. We spent yesterday repairing a broken window in our home because our autistic son is a genius he's an eloper if you know autism he likes to run away and so we're constantly trying to figure out how to protect him and one of the things we hoped he'd never figure out is how to break a window and yesterday guess what happened he broke the window and thank god for men like wade that come running you know that have ideas and different things and so it just true to form in the south we use some duct tape and some plexiglass and we're okay right (laughs) the thing is is you look at it and you realize that hey in your mind, you want to be like so frustrated because I don't know about you. I just didn't really plan on spending money on a window. Really didn't have it to spend. Anybody know what that's like? And in the moment you want to be like, why? But in the moment he's safe. He didn't get cut. He ran away from the window, which means it scared him. So maybe it doesn't become a habit, right? We start trying to look at the blessings and we realize that our son is a genius. Let's get him on the right track and let let God change the world through that autism silent mind, right? Let's see what God can do there. But in the moment, guess what you wanna be? A bear, right? But there's still a precious nine-year-old that has a heart and has emotions and has feelings that needs to be developed and needs to know that, hey, yes, that was bad, but you are not. You're still welcomed and loved in this family. You'll still care about, and you know what? The window wasn't even brought up. We didn't even think about it as we, we kind of brokenheartedly watched all football games yesterday, right? Like, it was rough. But the thing is, is at the end of the day, what truly matters, the relationship with him, not the house we live in. Burn it down. Let all my kids live. I'll be happy. Lose one of them, and nothing I have matters. How many of you would say, Yes, my relationship with my family matters more than any material possession in my life. Would you say yes to that? You know what God desires for us to do? To grow that way towards the people that aren't in our families too. To love the stranger, to love the neighbor as yourself, to do good to the person that you don't know, to do good to the person that doesn't deserve it, to care about the person beyond who we are. And, and, and I'm telling you now, like, I don't want to go to church. I would literally just want to go to a community of believers who love the Lord so much that they cannot help but love other people. Yeah. Yeah. They cannot help but care about where you are and what you're going through. What about humbly? Can you write this down? Easiest way to say this is, if you're going to minister to others, please don't make it about you right? Like, don't, don't be like, look at what I'm doing. Like, check me out. Like, flexing your spiritual muscle. I helped 15 people this year. You know, don't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. In other words, hey, let, let heaven know what you're doing. And keep your mouth shut when it comes to everybody else and just do the work. Humbly means that you don't lord over the person either, right? Like, it's, it's not like you're going to just be holding it over their head saying, look at what I did for you. Hum, I'm the person. No, it's just this, everything you do, you know what you should do? If God lays it on your heart to pay for the groceries of the person behind you, you should look at them and say, God has not forgotten you. God loves you and cares for you. And he's just really said today that you needed a blessing and he wanted you to see his presence. And that's what this is. Have a great day. You know, like, hey, where did that come from? Who helped? Hey, you, you, guess what? Write this down. Being an anonymous backer and supporter is not a bad thing. Now, but, Financial support should not be all you give. Some people say, I'll write the check and then I don't have any responsibility. I'm telling you right now, beyond a dollar you can spend, someone needs your heart. They need to be a part of your life. They need the text message that says, I'm thinking about you. You've been on my mind. I'm missing you. What are you going through? They need to know they matter. So I'm telling you now, you could be the poorest person in the room, but the biggest blessing to people in the room by simply caring about it. Humbly says, You matter, your interests matter, where you are matter, your family matters. I'm gonna lose sleep tonight because of what your family's going through. I don't know how you feel, nor am I gonna pretend how you feel, but I'm gonna be here so you can let your feelings out. I tell people all the time, you need somebody to yell at, call me. You need somebody to cuss out, I can take it. You know, people are like, you should be teaching them not to cuss. I'm gonna tell you this right now. When somebody lost their kid, they don't need your lecture on what they should be. They need your arms open, your ears open, and your mouth shut. They just need to know you're there. I mean, a no judgment zone should exist everywhere you go. You just stepped into the no judge zone. You just stepped into the freedom zone. Come on, tell me. Now, if you're sitting here saying you're about to go kill somebody, I'm going to call the police. Just telling you now but I'm gonna care about you, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna gauge you. I literally, at one point in ministry, had a man step into my office with a rifle loaded, a sniper rifle with suppressor, laid it on my desk and looked at me in the eye and said, I built this to kill my dad. I'm on the way to his house, help me. And in my mind, I'm like, I am in the room with someone who does not care about their own life or the life of somebody else with a loaded gun laying on my desk. Now, can I tell you the grace of God really met that moment and that person's life has radically changed. You would never even know it, nor would I ever even tell you who that person is. They proclaim gospel and they preach the message restored with their dad, married kids. Things are going great. The thing is, is in that moment, you sit there and you're like, ooh, who do I need to call? But in that moment, you got you and the Holy Spirit and God and you're not gonna sit there and say, oh my goodness, why would you bring this? Who are you? You humble yourself and you gently say, well, maybe this isn't the best idea. And if you're okay with this, I'm gonna move this out and just lay it in the yard i'll be right back can i take it to the yard you can get it after but we're going to get it out of here you see the thing is is sometimes we approach it with an arrogance of i'm the reason you're going to recover and the truth is none of us are the reason anybody recovers or changes it's only by the grace of god and we're just ushers to him look at this next verse it says the next sentence we're supposed to help them back on to that right path and then it says and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. I want to give you this. Please write this down. Like, number one, you should be willing to help others. But number two, you got you to gotta stay armored up because while you're helping others, you're going to get exposed to the things that are attacking their lives. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like this. If right now you were walking into the room of someone who had smallpox, Right? It's an old thing that nobody talks about anymore, but very viral can be caught very easily. If you were walking into the hospital room of someone with smallpox, what should you do? Talk to me. What? Oh, put a mask on. Maybe more than a mask. Maybe you put on the whole suit. You should sanitize. You're saying, oh, that's such a shame to them. No, I'm saying this right now. If you expose yourself, you will catch it. How many of you understand this? You following this logic? You know what? I'm telling you, you know why a lot of Christians are falling out, burning out, and falling into sin? Is because they're not getting cleaned and sanitized and protected in the word of God before they walk into somebody else's situation. And at some point, we got to realize that what you have and I have is contagious. Adam and Eve are standing by a tree. Eve takes a bite and the next verse, next sentence says, and Adam with her. I'm telling you right now, the Bible's not saying that if you're helping somebody through adultery that you're gonna fall into adultery, but you might fall into gossip and in God's eyes, gossip, adultery, homosexual, all those things are equal. There's no, this is worse than the other. There's no this is this. So when the Bible says don't fall into the same temptation, it doesn't mean you're going to do the same things they're doing, but it might trigger something in you that makes you become a sinner or fall into something you don't need to be in. So you got to be bathed, washed, and sanitized, protected in the word of God. In other words, armor up and step into the situation as a warrior and a soldier. Do not go in unprotected because any one of us in here are capable of being led astray. Any one of us at any time could fall. And so my thing is this, I'm going to, how many of you have heard this? Don't, don't worry about the, 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 the speck in somebody else's eye until you get what out of yours? The log. In other words, hey, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to help you. But you know what? Here's my promise. Here's some guarantees. Um, when we do, uh, yesterday I was working on a listing agreement. And in that listing agreement it has a list of things I have to read to them that as an agent I'm going to provide to them. I will do this, 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 and this. And if I don't, you can fire me. It's literally what it's for. And it's to let them know what the agency means. I mean, I almost think as Christians, we need to have some kind of a mental or physical contract that we slide across the table saying, hey, I'm gonna have counsel with you today. We're gonna do lunch together today. Here's the guarantees you're gonna get from this. I'm not gonna tell a soul. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to think bad about you. I'm not going to start avoiding you or missing your phone calls. I'm not going to leave you out. I'm not going to ostracize you. I'm not going to do these things. I'm not going to sin with you. I'm not going to go with you. I'm not going to give your weakness. If you believe something's wrong that I don't believe is wrong, I'm not going to live out what I don't believe is wrong in front of you. I won't be a stumbling block. I'm going to stand true. These are my guarantees in God's name. This is what we'll do. We need people that say, hey, we're in this with you till we see you back on your feet in the name of Jesus Christ, living the way you should again. Anybody can tell somebody's dirt. A believer can watch God clean it up. Anybody can point out what's wrong in society. But a warrior runs in when wimps run away. Anybody can say they're a friend, but a friend rubs it out while everybody else rubs it in. We will not raise a generation of believers that are just like everybody else that says, don't tell anybody, but so-and-so said. Don't tell anybody, but I know. What we need to do is say, and I'm going to God. And if I need to talk about this, I'm gonna hit my knees and I'm gonna plead to the Father because I wanna see my brothers and sisters living healthy, full lives, not defeated. And I'm I'm gonna tell you this right now, what you speak will go around and come back around. What you say about others gets back to them. You found that to be true? Best thing you can do in talking behind somebody's back is to talk good things and let good things come secondhand. I'll be honest with you. A firsthand conversation where somebody compliments you makes me uncomfortable, I like it still. That's the pat on the back saying, good job. Anybody else get weirded out when you get a compliment? Say yes, is that you? Like, I don't do that well. But, but, but you know what? Like, that's thankful. But when somebody else comes up to you and says, I was talking to Tabitha, and Tabitha was saying so many good things about you, it means so much more. Am I right? It's hurtful when somebody says something mean to you. It is devastating when you hear somebody else say that so-and-so said it about you. You get this? We need to understand that when we're going in to rescue people, that sin is going to be a temptation. The enemy is going to come after you. He's going to try to tempt you and trip you up. When our church is stepping into big ministry, we're going to get attacked. We know it every single time. I'm literally today going to call our church into action and pray in 10 grand over something we're leaping into with $800 in our bank account. I'm literally being honest with you. And as we stand there and I look at it, I keep going to God and saying, really, like, this makes no sense. This doesn't make time. How are we gonna do this? It's not really real. There's no way we can do it. But the call is so great and it is so real that we cannot avoid it. And I have learned this a long time. You can stand on the shore of a red sea and watch it rage, or you can believe that God can part it and you can get through it. And so at some point of our lives, we've gotta know that God is gonna call us to situations that need our confidentiality Need our love, need our hope, need our help, but need us to pe- bring people and point people to Jesus, not point them to us. Watch out. You serve the Lord, there's an enemy that'll hate you for it. If you don't serve the Lord, there's an enemy that'll hate you because you look like him. You are made in his image. And Satan hates everything there is to do with God. And every time he looks at you, he sees your creator. Look at this, if you would, the next verse, it says this, verse two, share each other's burdens. And in this, we obey the law of Christ. What was the law of Christ? What were the, huh? Love one another. Share one another's burdens. How many of you um, sometimes can get a very heavy heart? Anybody like that? Now, I would ask you if you have one now. We kind of hinted at that earlier. But you know, a sharing a burden doesn't simply mean like, hey, what's wrong with you? It's like, you know, I, my heart was broken a little bit before the service. And so I went, I was going V line into my office, and our two pastors pretty much followed me in. What's going on? We know something's up. You know, you know what that is? It's hey, we're here. We can see the heavy. You're not alone. And sometimes you're in this moment where you don't even think you have the strength to preach the sermon God's laid on your heart. How many of you been there? Maybe it's not a sermon, but you don't have the strength to go to work today. Anybody been there? You don't have the strength to parent today. You don't have the strength to husband, wife today. Come on, now we've been there, right, church? You know, you're on your road to recovery. You're six months sober, but you don't have the strength to stay clean today. And if you're not careful in those moments, if you're isolated, here comes the enemy. But sharing the burden means we're not going to let people isolate. We're going to follow them out the door if we see them leaving in tears. We're going to call them on the phone if we get the Facebook status that's, wait a minute, that's not the person. Hey, if if all of a sudden we see a change in lifestyle, a change in happiness, a change in temperament, we're saying to them, we are here. And it's not just fake, we mean it. What's going on with you? Because I'm going through this with you. You're not going alone because we know this. Two can go back to back in defeat. But right before that, it says one can be easily attacked and defeated. How many of you have ever got alone with your thoughts and found yourself in a very dangerous place? whether it be tempted to sin or to the extreme, tempted to end. It'll catch you alone. We got to share each other's burdens. Look at the next verse. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. I like this statement. Will you read it with me? You are not that important. Now, is that saying you're not important? No, that's not what it's saying. Just saying you're not better than anybody. You're not better. You got to humble yourself. If you think, well, that's beneath me. Get on your knees and get right with God. If you think they're too dirty. I, I, I pastored at places that let's start a bus ministry and they say, we don't want that type here. And you know what they said? And I, I heard a pastor say this one time at a conference. I literally walked out in the middle of his sermon and called my wife. He said, don't let your mud, your tire spin in the mud of somebody else's muck and get you nowhere when God has given you vision and ministry. Get your car somewhere else where you can get traction and go. And I'm going to tell you right now, I think sometimes we get so caught up in the ritual of church and the ritual of the world that we're really not doing anything. We're very exhausted because, man, that tire is rolling, but it's not going anywhere. Now, I don't know about you, but... I would rather see people saved and rescued and delivered in Jesus' name than to start one more program that just takes our time. I would rather start seeing lives radically change. I would rather us hang out at Perkins than to come to church and go through the motion. It's too expensive to run everything here. Let's just go somewhere else and sit down and have a Bible study than to come in and, and, and fake it and pretend. The thing is, is life is too fragile. How many of you have learned that? You lose people so fast. Hey, What matters is what we do with their lives and our lives while we have the chance. Our kids grow up way too fast. Our families go different ways way too fast for us to think that we're too good to stop and help a stranger. Too good to care for someone around us. I mean, matter of fact, James said, what good does it do for somebody to come in and say they're hungry and thirsty and and, and need clothes and you just say, well, I wish you well and I, I hope you have a good day. No, it's feed them, house them. I mean, I don't know about you. When I was dating Jordan, um, I, now this is dumb. Please do not put this in your arsenal of dating. I, I, I was desperate and, and, and I had no identity, right? So it's a bad, a bad habit, but it's true. This happened. I wanted so bad to impress her that when she would come in town, we dated long distance, I would plan these elaborate dates, like, Abington, Virginia. How many of you have been there to watch the play? I hate plays, but we still went to the Wizard of Oz, you know? We drove, we did things. She would leave, and my lights would get cut off, or I wouldn't have food for two weeks because I would spend every dime I had on that one day. Why, I loved her. Now, is that healthy? No. No, because then she married me and realized I was broke, <laughs> you know? Like, can't do that anymore. It's a patent switch. Um, The thing is, is understand this, like, when you love people, though, you'll make sacrifices sometimes. I mean, I mean this. I would go without air conditioning and lights in this church to save one more person from drugs. I would do it. To rescue one more family from divorce. To stand in the gap, to stand in the field. I mean, I hear Dave, as he's coming out of a lion's den saying, hey. King Nebuchadnezzar lived forever. My God has closed the mouths of lions. I hear. David sitting in a trench looking at an army that is scared saying there is a giant that is facing our society. Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason? Our entire nation is paralyzed right now. Somebody needs to go shut this guy up. And I hear that there's a lion that's roaring going back and forth seeking whom he can't devour and I'm tired of watching the people I love die and lose because we as a church are coward in trenches or coward in comfortability when we should be standing out saying hey we're going to slay some giants and jesus name a giant's about to lose its head and a nation's about to find a champion let's get up and let's get real and let's actually care and not be too good to help somebody in need today it says this though look at this pay a careful attention to your own work for then you will get satisfaction of a job well done you do not need to compare yourself to anyone else for we are each responsible for our own actions who that's hard to do right you know, um, today we'll preach a couple sermons and, um, we'll, you know, a few hundred people or so plus and, and, and we'll give everything God's poured into us. But I'll promise you before the next week, God will put a bigger church in front of me. So not, not God, but somebody will bring up a bigger church in front of me or a pastor in front of me that, that, that is way more successful, quote unquote, than, than we are. And if I'm not careful, I'll sit there and say, what's wrong with me? Anybody else do this? You might not do it in ministry, but anybody else do this? Anybody else, and, and don't raise your hands to this, but ladies, do you, do you walk through the store and see somebody and the way they look and the way they are and wonder what's wrong with you? Do you, do you, do you? do you see somebody else getting all their promotions and you work just as hard? You might even have a job that you feel like you're working harder than that person, or, and, and yet they're making it and their life's going on and you're, you're sitting there thinking, well, God, what's wrong with me? You know, and, and if you're not careful, you'll go to places that start saying, well, just claim it and God will do it for you. But I'm telling you this right now, my God is not a God that's guaranteeing your comfort today. He's a God that's guaranteeing provision, yes. A God that's guaranteeing protection, yes. A God that's guaranteeing a home in heaven, yes. But he is not guaranteeing that you will have everything you want on earth. One of the hardest things for me to do is to look at my children and say, no, we will not buy that toy. I mean, I want to give them everything, but sometimes, let's be real, they don't need it. Am I right? My my four-year-old's a little bougie. She's a little spoiled, and she doesn't need everything she wants, because with everything she wants comes an attitude, and as much as I love her, I have to say, no, I can't buy that for you. Sometimes we can't afford it. Anybody say amen to that? Well, so-and-so got this, great. Maybe their parents will buy it for you, right? <laughs> or or even better, why don't you go hang out with your friend for a couple hours, use their stuff and come back. I once heard a pastor say this, I used to want a Jeep till I found out how much it cost to afford the Jeep. I used to want a Corvette till I found out how much insurance costs and how much gas it took. Now I rent it when I want it and I give it back so I don't have to pay for it. And I was like, that's a good word. He said, I bought a cabin kit. Don't fall for this. Cabin kit, $90,000. Here's your cabin kit. You can build a cabin. What they don't tell you is that's only the outside walls. That's not the roof. That's not the floor. That's not everything else you need. It's not the electric. And this. So they spent the $90,000 and $600,000 later finished the cabinet. And then they realized I could have rented one. They said, we built it and we have it. True story. We go to it maybe once or twice a year and I could have rented one for $1,000 and gone every year the amount that I go to my own cabin and made $420,000 and kept it in my pocket. We don't think like that, do we? The truth is, is at some point, if you're not careful, you'll start comparing what you're doing with everybody else, and you'll stop doing what you're doing because you don't have what everybody else has. But I'm telling you this, sometimes having things has problems attached to it. You know, it's like, if you're looking at another man that's married to another woman or another woman that's married to another man, and you think they would be better, they got issues. I promise you, they have issues. The reason you like them so much is their issues are not your issues. Go get them, and they will be your issues, and you'll wonder why. I mean, I'll just throw that out there. And for those of you that don't think I'm qualified, I have not been faithful, and you know it. It's true. That statement doesn't come from this, hey, I understand this, and this blah, 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 blah. It comes from a reality of, hey, the grass greener on the other side has somebody's poop making it greener. It's fertilized. There's still junk and effort that goes into it. Come on, comparison will rob you of your ministry. It will rob you of your joy. It will rob you of your peace. It will rob you of your recovery. It will rob you of your healing. The worst thing you can do if you're in grief is look at somebody else that's grieving and wonder why you're not where they are. I told somebody in the parking lot today, they said, I'm trying to be strong for so-and-so. The best thing you can do for them is stop trying to be strong. Remember when we lost our third child, my wife getting so bitter at me because she would weep and I would try to be strong and inside I was dying. Inside I was broken, like I didn't understand that I was mad at God and very angry at all the things that we were going through, like why did this keep happening? And a, a company, an organization, a ministry sent a basket to our home that had named our children and given gifts to our children that were gone and wrote individual letters to us and we sat there at the counter one night, we read these letters and I lost it, I couldn't hold it in anymore. And inside, I have found this to be true. When you're married, one tries to be strong for the other and it makes the other feel totally weak. And at some point, my wife needed to know that I would be on the way to work, pulling over on the side of the road, yelling and screaming and crying. because I couldn't hold in what was going on, but she never got to see it. And in her mind, the enemy was saying, oh my goodness, look at him. Why don't you have his faith? And I was dying inside. God help us that we stop coming to church, pretending in every song that we're okay, and sometimes just lose it so that somebody that thinks you're a warrior can realize that warriors hurt too. That they have pain and they have struggle and they have problems too. I get told a lot by people outside to to not put my business in front of the church because people will get repulsed by it and run away. But I'm telling you this right now. I want you to know that you can be so desperately hurting and still serve the Lord today and know that God is good. You can have problems, you can have bills, you can have things going wrong, but the worst thing we can do is look around and say, Why don't I have what they have? What's wrong with me? The answer could be this ready? Nothing. Nothing. Maybe this is your Job season. It doesn't really make sense, does it? You're losing everything because you love the Lord? That you're in grief and your own life's telling you to kill yourself. Your friends are asking what you did to God to make all these things happening and nothing makes sense. But in your heart, you know, and I love how Job said it, if all the world forsakes me, I will trust him. We need people that say, hey, life is real and life is hard. And while I'm helping you, I want you to understand you got a human helping you. I'm going to have hard days too. So let's in our agreement just agree that some days... I might hurt your feelings, but it's not intentional. I'm sorry. Forgive me in advance. Make room for my fault. Colossians 3, let's make that our anthem. We're going to make an allowance for each other's mistakes. We're going to forgive, we're going to love, we're going to move forward. You know, I I, I hear it all the time. So-and-so's leaving the church. Well, why haven't they come talk to me, and they talk to you? Well, they just needed somebody to talk to. Is it gossip or is it talk? Go to the person that you have an issue with, and let's get it settled. Don't sit there and say, well, it's, it's better somewhere else. I, I don't know. Have you found this to be true? There are problems everywhere. There's a God that goes before us, preparing ways in the wilderness. I love how the prophet wrote, behold, his hand is not shortened, that he cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that he cannot hear. If God is for us, somebody finish that today. If God is for us, What? Who can be against us? I don't need to live your life. I need to run with patience, the life God's given me. Some of you are experts on how to overcome drugs. That's not my thing, but I can help you with alcohol. Some of you have healthy, perfectly healthy children. God bless you. We celebrate that. Don't tell us how to feel about our situation, right? And, and, And in that, I shouldn't be telling you how bad our situation is. But those of you that are sitting here and you know what it's like to struggle with a child with handicap or disability, or maybe they're just a little more able than the rest of the world, and we just see it as disability. Hey, let's get close. Let's not compare what my kid goes through and your kid goes through, but let's just know. There's a parent, there's two, Jordan and I know what it's like to have a grief for your children. And no, we don't know what you're going through, but we would love to cry with you and hold you. And if you need to punch something, sometimes I need to punch something too. We'll find Casey. No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke we got going around. Let's go take up kickboxing, right? Let's, let's, Let's get a smash room and let's do something together. Some of you have relationships right now that are very young and in their infant state. You said we've been together five years. Young and in its infant state, Right? And it has struggles Go lean into some of these older couples. And I'm not going to point them out because then I'm just saying they're old, right? (laughs) And you'll find out that they had them too. One of the most healing things that's ever happened in my life was when Howard told me his and Sandy's story. That's not mine to tell you. The people that I look at and I think these are like solid people, these right here, Evelyn and Kenny, solid people. But when they open up and when you're at your broken state, and when you have fallen and when you're down flat on your face, they say, let me tell you something. This is where we've been. All of a sudden it's like oxygen hits your lungs for the first time again and you can start breathing again because even the people you wish you could be have been where you are, not maybe in the same situation, but their marriage has been under strain and the enemy will try to tell you you're the only one. You're not, you're not, you're not. It happens to everybody. Just if we were community, we would not die alone in these moments and battles. We'd come together, stand together and make something happen. So don't compare. Look at verse number seven. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Can anybody say, okay, thank God I have already harvested the terrible things I planted. Anybody say yes to that? And how many of you are thankful today that maybe you don't have the harvest you want yet? But you are planting things now in this season of life that you are going to be thankful, grow one day, and bring an abundance. Anybody say, I may not have always planted what I wanted, but I am planting now what I want to get. So I, Wade gave me that word. He said, hey, brother, listen to me. Listen to me. You've planted before what you didn't want. Now you're planting what you want. Can you imagine what it's going to be when what you're doing today pays off? And that's where Galatians 6, 9 comes in. Look at verse 8, and then we'll go to 9. It says, hey, those who only live to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Here it is, church. Let me just scream it for you. Let's not get tired of doing what's good. Because at just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing. Say it with me, ready? If we don't give up. Don't quit. Don't quit. Ministry's hard. Life is hard. Oh, but God's blessings are good. He's the rewarder of those that diligently seek, so let's pursue. And then it says this, verse 10. Therefore. You know what therefore is, ready? Because of this. Because of all of this. Therefore. In other words, when you see therefore, build a belief here. Like, plant your roots here. Because of all this, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to, say it, everyone. Everyone. Oh, but then there's a clause. That's so missing. Especially to those in the family of faith. If believers don't have each other, we're in trouble. The evidence of God we see in our life is mostly seen, yes, through his word, but it's carried out through others. Jesus said, when you do this to the least of these, it's as if you did it to me. Remember his whole, you visited me in the hospital, you came to the jail, blah, blah, blah. They're like, we never did those things. When you did it to them, you did it to me. So can I tell you the hug you give today is direct from a father to someone they love. You're the hands and feet of God. If that doesn't give you value, let me, let me reestablish what just was said. You're an ambassador of heaven. The full authority of the throne of God is resting in your hearts, your actions, your words, your deeds. And when you act, it should be as if God just acted on earth. And the evidence of God is made mostly known through the actions and words and deeds of his people. And that's why God is not easy to see for the world. Because our words aren't always saying who he is. Our actions don't always show him. And our deeds, the things that we do for others, is a lot of times absent. And so today, I'm just calling us to a church that says, hey, let's drop the show. Let's just be real with each other. Let's care about each other. Let's do something to rescue someone in Jesus' name. So I've debated whether or not I should take this into an after sermon, or if I should take this offline, or should I do it just straight on? And I just feel God saying, go. So we're going to go, and we're going to keep the cameras rolling. This week, literally this week, we found out that a group that we heavily back and, 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 and stand with and, and love has now received a grant to where they're going to require that group to use Suboxin in their recovery For those of you that don't understand this, and and I'm not trying to tear you down if you're on it, but the same people that made the opioids that got you addicted are the same people making the Suboxone to get you off. It's a profit scheme and it's literally not taking away the habit. It's not teaching a lifestyle of recovery. It's just addicting you to something else. Our recovery pastor said it to me this way, Josh, it's as if you were the person that drank about 40 beers a week and I gave you a six pack and said, we're, we're not gonna get you off alcohol. We're just gonna take down the amount of alcohol that you're using. You're still gonna have the same habit. You're still gonna have the same desire and we're not changing anything in you. And the truth is it sets you in an addictive pattern. I've found this to be true in my own life. It's not the behavior that needs to change. It's the belief system that needs to change in order for a life to recover. And at some point, we've got to understand that the addiction tendency is in me. I just need to be replaced. God needs to position me towards an addiction that's healthy for me. And, and, and I said this to somebody the other day, I think it was Pastor Chris. That the truth is, is any addiction has self in the center, right? Like, it, it's my feelings, my wants, my desires, where I want to go. This is speaking from an addict. It's saying, hey, it's, it's what I want to accomplish, and therefore, I make it about me. Even subliminally, I'm not thinking I'm doing that, but that's what happens. And it robs from the loved ones. It robs from the family. It ruins the relationships and it literally robs the life. And so the antidote to addiction is service to where I stop making life about me and I start serving other people and helping them. I'm telling you right now, I don't care what step you are in in recovery. If part of your life isn't shifting towards helping others in recovery, you gotta change the addiction of your life. We say it's so real and it's so true. There is no high like the most high and you serve him and you watch God do something through him in your life. You watch the world go a different route. Watch God radically change you and you will chase that feeling the rest of your life life, seeing one more person delivered from it, one more person recovered, it will rock you to your core to see a mom, a dad, a son, a daughter give their heart to Jesus Christ. There's nothing like seeing a life changed. There's no addiction that can feel it like the Holy Spirit. And so we can't stand with that. And I don't mean this in a bad way. We can't stand with that. But I have learned this to be true. Most churches can stand and tell you what they won't stand for. We need to say what we are going to stand for. So this is what we're doing. We're starting a home for men in the next week and a half, two weeks. We're launching our own recovery house. Um, right now, I think I'm going to go ahead and bust the bubble on the name. Not yet. Okay, can I? Can I take we're going to call it the greenhouse, you know, and, 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 and we're going to seek God in this. We already have a house that we can lease. Um, we already have the person that's going to run it. But literally, we have this. The house is empty with no furniture, and I say this all the time. I, I, I don't mean this in a slight way. We don't need the furniture you don't use that's sitting in an attic We don't want to go grab stuff at yard sales. We want to give these guys our best. They need a vehicle to be able to go back and forth. And we got to raise $10,000 in a week and a half. Now I'm telling you this because I'm saying this with or without it, we're starting it. It's happening. We're going to take about six or seven guys in immediately. We're going to start working towards the recovery and restoration, but we cannot do this without you. For those of you that don't know, we already have the grace home going for ladies they're in these, that's right here on our campus and who's in it is not your business. But we, we know that in this room, in the house of God, that there is ability here. Maybe you're the person with a minivan sitting on there. We'll take a used minivan that nobody's using. They need transportation to get to work, to get to their appointments because it does no good for them to go sit in a house. We've got to get them in the things that'll help them succeed. Our goal is to help them financially recover, spiritually recover, emotionally recover, and all these other areas recover so that they become the the dads, the husbands that they're supposed to be. And I believe that we see evidence of that right now because there are men that are going to be in the house sitting in this room right now that are very vital to what we do as a church. Some of the people that ministered to you when you came through, that mean the world to you, are people that are in this house. That's right. And you say, oh my goodness, wow. Yeah, here's the thing. We don't believe that you gotta be perfect to serve because nobody would ever be in service. Amen. Here it is, ready? Be in pursuit and you can serve God anywhere. Be in pursuit. Be perfect, we don't need you. Because there is no truth in you and you are deceived, right? <laughs> like, so we're launching that and uh, couldn't be the worst timing. I mean, it, it really couldn't be. If the building was built, we'd be moving them into this because that's what we're building this for. Locker rooms and all these other things. But that's not there. So in the meantime, I believe God doesn't call us to a comfortable state. He calls us to a risk. And so I'm going to call on you. I don't do this. I never do this. I'm going to call on you to seek God and what you can do to be a part of this. And some of you, that's not financially. And I get that. Please don't let Satan say, oh, they're asking for money. You can't do it. We need People that are going to teach classes and could volunteer a day to take people to appointments. We need people to come alongside of this and it's going to grow and and, and probably way faster than we think. But but right now we have a week and a half to do this and I want you to pray with it. So here's what I'm asking for you in commitment. How many of you, whether visitor or not, would pray in commitment with us as God starts this, that, that, that every step is ordained by him. We know he's called us to it. There's no question on that. But will you commit to pray over the success of what God does here? Not the success of that ministry, but the success in the lives of those people. And if that is you, I'm going to have you make a public commitment. Would you slip a hand up saying, I'll be in prayer over this? All right, well, please, please join us in that. I am going to ask you today as you leave, if God lays it on your heart, to be a part of this. I'm going to have Pastor DJ at the back door and have Chris over at this door. And some of the elders, if y'all don't mind, Howard and others will stand at the doors if God lays it on your heart to give towards it, then to hand it to them. As you leave today, but we need prayer in this. I don't know how this is possible, but it's, it's a need that needs to happen. You look like you got something on your mind. Are you wanting to say something? You are, come on. Not you, him. <laughs> You're like freaking out.
1: The bad thing is I know these guys. That's the hard part. We will harvest what we plant. I don't know what God's calling me to do, but I just prayed over there silently that... um, My best friend in the world well, God always gives her the same thing, so he'll figure it out um, I spent a weekend with these guys. I'm not asking you for money. there's some of you in here who could stroke a check with this thing like that, and you could plant something and I called Josh yesterday i wouldn't I told you I didn't want to say this. We were on the phone and we were talking and talking about this guy down here DJ and if you if you know don't know his story you need to know it and he's the right man to run this home and we were thinking about we need a name we need a name and it just sounds so silly we need a name and we need to get a a a lawyer involved and we need an LLC and we couldn't come up with a name you can't do nothing you come up with a name that's first thing to ask his name and I was riding with my daughter Autumn them, and I, God started speaking, and I got to thinking. Oh. We're planting them. They're not ready to plant. This is a seasonal thing in their life. And if you're, you're not going through addiction, you're one or two steps away from, from being that. Um, we're all addicted to something. And these guys need a place to come and get out of the storm. We've all been in storms, and you're probably in a storm now. But these these guys need a place to come in and get watered. They need the sun. They need Jesus Christ, and uh, they need to come in to get rooted in Christ, where we can plant them back out. And what does a good plant? I asked Autumn, said, "What does a good plant produce?" She says, "Oxygen." And that's how I, I said, I got to call him. That's it. It's a greenhouse. Named after one of the best men. Where's that sucker at? Where's he at? Named after Wade Green. The greenhouse. A place where we could bring in men out of a storm. Give them nutrients. Give them water. Establish their roots in Christ. Replant them so they could produce oxygen for other people, okay? That word breath, oxygen, comes from the upper room in Acts 2 where all of the disciples and a bunch of them went nuts. After what? The Holy Spirit filled that room. And that, that Greek word and it is called pneuma. It means a God-breathed air came through there. And that's my hope for this home is that in this church, that you would receive a God-breathed air. And if half of us did it, half of us received that, we could blow this county up for God. So I'm asking you, and I know there's, I know there's people in here. He didn't ask you for money. I'm asking you to plant something if it's $2, $5, $500, $5,000, whatever it is, you're planting something, you're laying your treasures in heaven where one day when you die and leave this world and leave your dead body on a table somewhere, your soul goes on and you're gonna walk in heaven and meet somebody one day and they're saying, I went through the greenhouse, thank you. I went through the grace home, thank you. I came through Grace Community Church in 2025. I came through Grace community. I went through the greenhouse the year 21,23. We'll all be dead. Everybody in this room and your kids, we're all gone. but that's still going to remain. This is a chance for your descendants to be what blessed that man yelled that to me out the out the door one day and I'll never forget it a chance for your descendants your kids your grandkids for what you're planting today can go on for years Josh just spoke about it his family the family tree song we have a chance to plant something to change our legacy and our legacy's not football it's not basketball it's not softball. It's what your kids and your grandkids are going to know of you when you're gone. And you can plan it today. Sorry. Amen.
0: I'm just recalling you to it. It'll self-sustain after the first month. We already, the plan's there. It'll self-sustain after the first month. We got to give it breath. So today, just pray about what God would have you to do, and let's watch God work. Um, I'm at the most vulnerable state I've ever been from this stage, because I've never felt, I don't know, Howard, you've been with me. I don't know if we've ever had a moment where we've been so direct with a call. Maybe, maybe once, building a building, but not like this. Um, just pray with us. matter of fact, grab somebody's hand right now. And don't ask God to do it. Ask God what He wants to do through you in it. Whether it is giving or whether it is being there, loving these people, caring for them, helping us buy Christmas presents for their kids so that they can be a dad that brings something to Christmas. What, God, can you do through me in this? Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you give us. We thank you for your love. God, I'm thankful for the people that stepped into my life and made huge differences and impact. I would not be where I am today without your son's precious blood and the believers that believe so much in it that they stood in my life and shared it. God, I pray today that you'll raise us to be the church that you called us to be. I would lie if I say I'm not scared. But I will not let fear take away from what you want to do. So in this moment, we surrender this church. If it costs us everything to give one person life, then take it all and rescue the one. And it's in Jesus' name we surrender this and we pray this. And if you're in agreement, would you say amen?